0: Welcome to the Training Design Podcast, 45 minutes-ish of practical tips and insights on training design, with me, Terry Pearce of Untold Play.
1: And me, Sheridan Webb of the Training Designers Club. Hi, Terry. Great to talk to you again. Been so looking forward to this. How are you?
0: Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, really good. Really good. It's uh, it's cold and wet and rainy outside, so I'm glad to be here in my room talking to you.
1: <laughs> Absolutely, yes. It's, it's not a great day, is it? I've been... Um, yeah, I was supposed to get out in my garden, um, but the weather has put me off that. Um, and it's, um, it's one of the things you were talking about at the end of the last podcast when we were talking about the foundations of great virtual design, and we're going to expand on that in this session. But you did talk about as well on the last episode about how you would taken the, the change of pace, shall we say, that was forced upon us due to lockdown, due to all the changes, to focus on your writing. Mm, and it'd yeah. be interesting to know what... People did with that time, really. Mm. I, I've, saved, so I've got a little vegetable patch now, and I always did tr- try and grow a few things, but I've got some purple sprouting broccoli that's doing really well. I've got some butternut squashes. I've even got a cucumber, which is very exciting. So it, it's nice, I think, sometimes to have a little bit of time. And we, and we talked about in the last episode the importance of reflection mm. and just stepping back a little bit So and just taking time to, to reconnect with other things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. We're um, cultivating, I think, the next uh, form of life that's going to uh, take over this planet after humankind, which is our sourdough starter, which is uh, wow, uh, um, seeing on, our, on <laughs> our side. So that's been one of the things that we've been doing.
1: Oh, how fantastic. Well, my, my son loves to bake. So we've had far too many cakes mm. um, during this period, because although he's supposed to be homeschooling, um, the school aren't giving him a lot, a lot. Of lessons and you know what terry they could learn from us because they haven't been doing virtual sessions they haven't been doing virtual classes and i think it's because the teachers don't know how to do it so mm. maybe they should listen to the podcast yeah and learn absolutely. A few things
0: <laughs> absolutely
1: so anyway you know me i could chat and chatter on all all day um last time we talked about getting the foundations right when designing for virtual delivery And we know that a lot of people are getting to grips with that. Uh, Mm. If you're not, then go back and listen to the previous episode. This episode, I want to talk about how we can take that upper gear. So you're very, very, very insistent that we don't run before we can walk. But once we're comfortable with that, it is the right time, isn't it? To start thinking about how we can enhance things and and do a little bit more.
0: Yeah, I think so. I think if you've got the foundations in place, you can start to think about uh, how you go beyond that. For me, there's, there's quite a few uh, important things that you can start to think about, starting with perhaps before and after the session. So, you know, what are you doing before and after, pre and post work, as it traditionally is, although, so you know, I think there's, there's ways we can think about it that make it even better. Thinking about anything apart from your main kind of program, your main platform that you're using. So are you just going to use Zoom or Teams or WebEx, or are you going to use anything else? And there's lots of stuff out there. Yeah, um, and you
1: talked about quite a lot of that in our episode on technology, didn't you?
0: Yeah it's interesting actually I think that's that'd be a good one to go back and uh, and look at now uh, because it was focused on what you might do in the classroom using all of that stuff but most of the things I think we recommended on that episode uh, in the last season um, I think would be really really useful in the current environment with virtual training definitely.
1: Yeah definitely I think so as well.
0: And then I think the other things for me are just about trying to think creatively I think Sometimes we think, oh, I've got these limitations now because it's a virtual environment. I can't do X or I can't do Y. But actually, I think sometimes creativity can foster, uh, can be fostered by limitations. You know, it's, 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 it's the thing, if you give someone a sheet of paper and you say, write, write a poem, most people would be stumped. Yeah. If you tell somebody the rules of writing a haiku or a sestina or some particular form of poetry and say, okay, there's how, how many syllables it's got or whatever then they can have a stab, you know, it might not end up being Wordsworth, but it's fine. Um, So I think, you know, sometimes these these limitations that we have or, or the rules or the setup of virtual can actually be our starting point for getting creative. And I think we should get creative where we can.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, it's, it's necessity is the mother of invention, isn't mm, it? So yeah, it's, um, yeah, it, it does. And I've seen lots of creative ideas coming out. Not all of them work brilliantly, but the fact is I've seen people really thinking outside the box on this, mm. which is great. I'm interested to talk about the fact that you said the first thing we need to think about is pre and post coursework. Now we've always talked about the importance of extending the learning experience and those of you who know me know I'm fond of master and the master is the M is mindset so a lot of that is pre-course and it is definitely one of the things that has been shown to be much much more important and the last episode we talked about we needed to cut the the face-to-face time so maybe from six and a half seven hours down to four but we don't want to lose all that learning do we? Mm.
0: Yeah. And pre and post is, is a great way to to start to think about that. I think, you know, we need to do it cleverly. We don't want to just shunt everything we're cutting from the, the kind of live element into pre and post in a kind of mindless way. Yeah. But I do think that, that you know, again, the, the virtual environment can give us opportunities here. In a way, pre and post time, pre and post engagement, pre and post work is easier in the virtual environment because... I think people are used to turning up and being in this really different environment in the training room whereas in uh, and, and and kind of keeping that very separate from their desk and not thinking about the training at the desk uh, and perhaps not thinking about their you know vice versa but in fact uh, here now we've got a situation with people under lockdown or people working more from home where they're going to get the invite they're going to do any pre-work and they're going to do the session all in exactly the same place. So you can kind of try and use that, I think, to, uh, to make it easier for people to think about and do things connected to the session before and after
1: the session. Yeah, that's a really interesting point, actually. And I was reading an article very recently about how um, location affects the way we think. And it's, mm. it, I didn't read the detail of it because you know me, I'm a, I'm a scanner. Um, but it was around the fact of how you think of something in one room and then you leave that room and you forget it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Memory and, uh, you know, mood and all kinds of things that are very situational and uh, and are prompted by our surroundings, definitely. Mm. I think the other thing you can do uh, is maybe you can can think about, and it might depend on your situation, but you can think about making uh, joining instructions, so access to a virtual session, conditional on completion and not in a big kind of big brother we don't trust you kind of way but just in a kind of routine kind of way just say okay so here's the pre-work once you're doing the pre-work you submit it and then we give you the journey instructions that's how it
1: works actually that ties in really well with something that we were talking about in the vip Training designers club when we're talking about making learners accountable Mm. so as you said before we're used to going on a training event and just sort of letting it happen to us because the trainer or the facilitator does all the work whereas actually now we're asking mm. people to take an equal part in that learning so you you have to do module one all by yourself and then you'll be invited to module two almost yeah. so sometimes the wording can make a difference can't it
0: definitely absolutely and also connected to what we were just saying the the where the system so i think now you've got a, a potentially depending on your exact setup or, or more Uh, accurately the the setup for your learners and for the people who'd be delivering the session you've got you've got an opportunity to say well let's do everything in the same place uh you can use something like we mentioned a couple of times in the first season at giraffe pad one of our favorite apps uh, which is a great platform for uh, linking together the social element and the communication around uh around any kind of piece of learning and access to the learning itself and follow-up. Yeah, and Um, the
1: file sharing and all of that sort of thing, yeah.
0: But, you know, whether you you use a specifically tailored app like that or whether you integrate what you're doing with kind of any currently used workplace system, so if the workplace you're designing for uses Slack, or Monday or a particular LMS or LXPs as as the kind of new iteration they're calling them. Oh, I hate three
1: three word acronyms.
0: (laughs) um, But, you know, if if the workplace you're talking about has a system, why not try and use that system? Or if they have a specific, just a way of working, like, okay, we always do our things via email or we always read this kind of email on this day of the week, or we we always, you know, we have a a catch-up meeting via Zoom on this day of the week, you know, try and integrate it with the systems that are there, and, and make it so that actually again it's not a separate thing it's that oh okay in my method of communication preferably my normal method but whatever method it is I've got everything all in the same place it's all working through and leading one to another
1: yeah I, I think that's a really good point Terry actually it's something that um, I've learned a lot about with um, sort of building a community as well is you you have to you have to go to them not the other way around mm-hmm. so wherever they are hanging out is where you need to be. So there's no point setting up um, a WhatsApp group if people don't use WhatsApp because they will Mm -hmm. not access the learning that way. And even if it is a little bit clunky for you to, you know, do everything by email or go on Slack, if that's what they're used to doing, then that's going to vastly improve your chance of getting that learner engagement right from day one.
0: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The other thing I think that can make the uh, engagement happen is, is, is being a little bit creative with the work. You know, if you're just saying to people, watch a video, or Read a document, maybe it 's engaging, depends on the exact content, but mm. it 's not getting them really involved, uh, so at the very least, I think you want to have uh, interactive questions based on some piece of content, but maybe something even more you know uh, some kind of interaction, a joint project between delegates beforehand again, all of this, similar to some of the stuff that we mentioned last week, is stuff that, that you know uh, applied in the non-virtual world but if we're talking about virtual sessions i think you have an ideal opportunity to to really make it happen because they're going to be online talking about and getting access to your course anyway so why not use those systems to say okay uh you know via DraftPad or via slack or via whatever it is uh we want you to get together do this piece of project work and then bring it to the session where we will work on it further
1: yeah, I think that's a really good point. Actually, it's something I hadn't fully thought about. Is the fact is when we do bring people together to a central location, that is the only opportunity really that they have to work together. Whereas mm-hmm. when we when we're not, that's not happening anyway. Um, it is that is a great um, that is a great insight actually, Terry. And I think what the one thing has happened as a result of all this lockdown is firms have pretty much um, I've, I've got their butts into gear shall we say about giving people technology um, Mm. and they've they've actually accelerated those programs and made more people able to access things so we perhaps do have opportunities that we didn't have even six months ago
0: yeah definitely the last thing I uh, had on my mind just to say about the, the kind of making it into this overall experience from start to finish is that as soon as you're starting to do even just a bit of pre-course and a bit of post-course but doing it all in the same system yeah. you then get more opportunity to do things like uh, and you know you're you probably setting a timer for how long it's going to take me to mention it today but um but to gamify things uh you know to to, to say okay uh or, or or do something which which uh, not just has these disparate elements but weaves it together so you've got some kind of thread of communication or a theme or points or whatever it might be but some kind of thread that weaves through from the very first moment of contact through to the moment they can say we're done yeah
1: no, I, th- I think it's, it's, it's very much a good point and it doesn't need to be difficult or time consuming, mm. does it? I mean, um, just before we started recording, um, I was blaming you for the fact that I, I'm now on Duolingo and I've got a 50 day streak. Mm. It, it... congrats. <laughs> Can't speak Italian yet, but I'm getting there. But just thinking about this, like you say, the, the, the pre-course engagement. I mean, maybe there's a drip fed question a day for seven days or something. And it's literally a one word answer, but you know, people are rewarded. for for that sort of thing so that there's so much that we can think about i suppose that isn't that difficult to do definitely so i mean we, we talked a lot in the in the first episode about getting the foundations right about keeping things simple and and that is simple um it's not difficult and we also talked about the fact that there are other things that we can use but we shouldn't use them because we think they're exciting and sexy but there are times when it is appropriate isn't it to enhance your session with um, apps like the ones we talked about on the technology episode but also mm. there's an awful lot more um, suddenly out there that, that weren't available before so what are your thoughts on those Terry?
0: Yeah I've got quite a few thoughts on those Um <laughs> I, I, I mean the first one is definitely to agree with you that don't use them for the sake of it uh, yeah. so the bit, first question for me would be what would support my learning and the the answer is that what the you know the learning that i want the the learners to, to kind of develop and if the answer to that question is an app fantastic but if it's mm. not then don't use it
1: if i can just interrupt that links real really well back to the four pillars doesn't it and if mm. we do those pillars in order yeah. um, why who what and how we are finding the how to fit the why the who and the what rather than going oh this is exciting like, how can yeah. we fit it in
0: Definitely. And I think, you know, going beyond that, then then there are one of the one of the biggest, I think, problems for people is there's just such a sea of different things which are now available to people because we're in this environment where most people are going to be at their desks uh, during learning experience. I think choosing between those is is a really important point. And I think there's a few things that I think are really important there. Uh, okay. One of them is about trying to choose closest to zero orientation zero learning curve apps for your delegate you know there are some and i'll mention a few specific ones shortly that that i'm keen on there are some which are just really intuitive you don't really have to do anything more than point people or give them a two-second demo in order for them to be able to do the key thing and then there are other ones where you've got to take them through and show them at length exactly how to do it and you can only really do that if you've got a longer session or program anyway but even then the one with the, the, the much sh- shorter learning curve, I think is going to be preferable.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. I think if you're working with a cohort over a number of sessions for a, for a, a quiet period of time, mm. it perhaps is worth almost having um, an orientation session to all the things separate to the mm. learning. Mm. Um, but like you say, if you're just doing a one-off session, um, is it, it's the hassle worth it?
0: Yeah. And as part of that, I would say, uh, ones that don't require learners to log in, Or or maybe there's a few about, I think that do require learners or users to just, you know, choose a username or just enter their email address. That's kind of okay, but it'd be preferable if they didn't even have to do that. Um, because again, it's just this extra step where it might sound simple for people to kind of log in or create a profile, mm. but it's just one more step for things to go wrong, and you have to have to help individual learners and everyone else is waiting
1: so yeah and some people don't want to provide that information as well they're yeah. very nervous about sharing their information yeah. understandably so so yeah, I must admit I, if anything's got more than about three steps to it um mm. i I don't like it. <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think there are a couple of things you can do to try and make life easier for yourself. I mean, we, I think we mentioned last week, the idea of if you do need people to learn some kind of app, perhaps do it as part of an icebreaker or something that's, that's non-content related or certainly not a key learning point that you're using it to kind of uh, facilitate. Uh, I think the other thing you can do, though, is you can use, perhaps see if there's one that's standard use within the organization. So I think in particular with ones that are designed for meeting help, there are more and more organizations out there who are saying, well, actually, let's use some kind of tech. There are things like uh, Klaxoon. Uh, or mural, or Mentimeter, or Jamboard, uh, that people are saying, well, actually, this stuff is really helpful in meetings, rather than just having a general conversation just for meetings and mind training. Let's use this, and let's train people up on it, and let's have it as a thing within our organisation. And if that's the case, as a designer, you really want to know about that, and you want to design for it.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's. um, like you say, I think a lot of the challenge can come from learning how to do things. And, and you mentioned Mural there, which I've had a look at, and it looks amazing. Um, I haven't had the time to really get to grips with it yet, but I do think it's one of those things that once you are in the habit of using it, like anything, it becomes more instinctive mm. the more we use it, doesn't it? But um, initially, um, things aren't always that easy and that obvious to use. So I think you, you're, you're, it's a really important point there about using what they already use.
0: And if you're an internal trainer, then maybe consider thinking about trying to get something to that stage because you've then got the facility to not just think in terms of one program, but to think in terms of the whole setup. So you can think, well, actually, in order to facilitate and help with all of the training programs that I might design in the future within my organization, let's see if we can influence people to take this on board and and have it as a thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it will, I I guess that will also then tie in with what you were saying before about sort of the pre and the post, because there can be um, little extra things that happen within that platform mm. um, that maybe aren't directly related to that session but can yeah. also add value
0: yeah definitely and all of this then links back to everything we were saying about pre and post course because if it's something they're using anyway then they'll easily be able to use it in the pre-course and they'll easily be able to link it to everything else they're doing and so on
1: the, the word i'm hearing there talking about sort of taking a step back and seeing patterns. Yeah. is
0: ease yeah. is what
1: you're saying it's yeah. um and, and it's not saying it needs to be easy right from the off but ultimately it has to be easy and it has to be easy for your delegates more than more so for the, the facilitator
0: hmm.
1: so what else but, do we need to take into account when we are evaluating different apps
0: for me one of the most important things is not to get confused about what different ones are for i think there are so many and some of them are kind of uh you know they they, they try and do it all so it's easy to get confused but mostly you've got some quite standard kind of functions, functionality. Mm-hmm. You've got whiteboard type apps, you've got quiz apps, you've got forms and form filling apps. You've got uh, apps which are based around specific collaboration methods, such as creating something equivalent to Post-its and moving around and grouping them. So you've got these quite simple kind of things. All those are the ones about just creating a document and sharing work mm-hmm. on it like Google Documents or something yeah. like that, Google Docs. So I think, you know, sometimes we kind of get a little bit confused because they don't always label themselves as that perhaps they label themselves as, as the one app
1: that you need you know yes. <laughs> yeah.
0: but actually and collaboration
1: want... tools yeah you know what does that mean <laughs> but,
0: but again going back to one of the first things we said in this section what kind of learning do you want to support which app is going to support it so what, what is the app doing if you want a few different ones within a session or a program then maybe you do want one of the things that does more different things mm. um so for instance you know some of the ones that we've already mentioned or one or of ones that were mentioned in the technology episode last season Things like Klaxoon or Mentimeter or Spiral, uh, another one that we mentioned from the technology I've said, are very kind of jack of all trades. They do a number of those different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, others are very specific. So uh, Notes, Lee, Note.ly and Milo, I believe, quite kind of focused around that uh, kind of post-it, and mm. uh, post-it moving around kind of thing. So it's just thinking, well, what is it that I actually need?
1: yes yeah and, and i guess choosing the the simplest thing for the job
0: yeah if possible yeah definitely um i mean these are the considerations there's cost uh you know particularly for uh, people who might be uh, designing lots of different programs for different people and who might need a, a license for themselves mm. a lot of the licensing schemes are not really set up for uh freelancers really no they're not uh, companies uh, so it's a bit of a pain it, by the way if cost is, is a particular Uh, thing for you then actually one of the the, the cheapest all-purpose one out there is Spiral in my opinion because it's costed for education you look perfectly professional but it's uh, kind of half the price or less uh, of some of the other ones and has a lot of the functionality I'm talking about the Jackwell trade ones now
1: Mm -hmm. yeah I mean I think the other thing just to bear in mind is that most of these apps do have a free trial period Mm. so it's a really good idea to sign up for those and do your best to sort of test it you know t- yeah. test it to destruction within the month or the two months whatever it is you have um, and then maybe just choose the one or two that you actually want to spend money on so yeah worth doing.
0: absolutely definitely test test test
1: which which can be difficult um mm. if you are independent because you you don't want to test it with your with your live audience so if mm. you if you you know if you're part of a community then um, there's usually somebody that you can call on to help you
0: yeah definitely
1: Okay, so apps can definitely add value if we choose them carefully, but we don't want to get hung up on the apps. And we talked about that quite a lot in the first episode. So what else can we do to make virtual training, you know, really interesting, and engaging? I know I've got a few ideas, but I know that you'll have great ideas. So let's hear yours Mm -hmm. first.
0: So it kind of goes back a little bit to what I was mentioning at the very start, uh, which was around, you know, trying to think creatively. I think, you know, the, the, what we've done and it, and it links back again to this point of taking a step back and, and, and getting insight. I think if we are designers or trainers uh, and we've been working in our, in our field and it's been very face to face focus for many years, then we have developed ways to be creative within that. You know, we, we've worked out, OK, so I can do this, mm. I can do that, I can do the other within that setup, within that rules Set within that environment, we can do exactly the same. Virtual is just a new canvas. Virtual is a canvas, it has certain qualities and rules or whatever. But we're now thinking, okay, so within those limits, within those rules, opportunities, spaces, you could almost do a kind of SWOT analysis on it, actually, if people, if people remember that, which you know, it doesn't get so much use. There's days, nothing
1: wrong but, with a SWOT analysis. Yeah, I love yeah. a good SWOT. <laughs> um
0: and say, okay, yeah, it, it has weaknesses but it also has strengths, it has threats, it also has opportunities. So I mean just to, to to break out a few of those off the top of my head, you can start thinking about okay, well, if people are in breakout rooms and they can't see each other and it's much easier in virtual to put them in break breakout rooms uh, and pull them back and switch them. Uh so you could use this kind of you know, sometimes in, in a face to face uh session or one that I've designed or run, I've been trying to kind of think of ways to to shuttle people around between between groups for a particular activity and it's quite kind of Cumbersome sometimes to do that, but actually yeah. it's really really simple on a lot of platforms for virtual. So yeah, uh, that's one way you could start to think about uh, the 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 benefits of it, or the fact that you've got this text chat. So you've got this kind of side chat that you can do with individual people, which you know again you could use that in an activity or or in the setup of a particular part of the session that people could be doing one thing on the screen but separately text chatting or making notes separately, or just generally the fact that they've got their computer in front of them with all you know, we, we've we talked about apps uh, yeah. in terms of collaborative apps, but actually they've got Microsoft Word there. They've got all the, the just the normal stuff that they have. And that could be useful in activities. You could use some of that stuff.
1: Yeah, sure. Just to mention on, on the chat, actually, it was one of the members of the Training Science Club that mentioned it to me, which is a great way, I think, of using the side chat. You know, if you just ask a question to the group and you want everybody to answer, obviously virtual chat, just like chat in real life, can be dominated by a few individuals so he calls it um what did he call it um a delayed a delayed chat i think that's what he called it so you type your answer in but you don't hit return until he says so everybody types their answer and say don't press don't press return there's a press return now and all the answers come up together so nobody's been influenced by what other people have said then right um, and i thought that was just a really like a creative way of using a very simple tool
0: yeah I think it's a good illustration something similar that i uh, have come across is getting people to uh, just pair up for text chat so they don't, they don't even leave the room you don't put them into a breakout room just say just spend a minute uh, you know just doing a, a, a single line chat between yeah. you know bob and sarah uh, and pair everyone up like that
1: because there are some things that you want to discuss um, in a training session that you don't necessarily mm. want to discuss in full group you know maybe we're yeah. doing a little bit of personal reflection and i don't want to share all my vulnerabilities with everybody absolutely um, but yeah, but then as, as you mentioned on the first one, you elect a spokesperson and you just highlight one or two things out of your chat that you want to share. And then it's, it's depersonalized a little bit then, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think as well, you know, you can think about uh, the settings, you know, within your Uh, within your platform so the audio settings the fact you've got a mute you can stop the video and have voice only so if you're designing a communication skills session for instance there's all kinds of things i think you can do with that to say okay well uh let's let's you know classic thing of of uh you know the whole how much of communication is verbal vocal visual you can start to say well okay let's see just you know start talking with the video off put it on how does it feel how difficult is it to communicate all kinds of things like that I'll give you uh, just an example actually that, that kind of uh, brings us again into game territory a little bit, but I think it is, is a good example of an activity that illustrates some of these points. So uh, it's, I'm a little bit confused actually now myself about the kind of pet, where this idea has come from, because I thought it had come from uh, a writer that I, I, I really like, Yukai Chow, but I've also now come across it as a game uh, called Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. Okay. Uh, an actual kind of game that you can buy
1: was oh, is it um, like Exploding Kittens? I keep seeing that offered for sale and I don't know no, what that is.
0: I think the only thing they have in common is explosions. But, okay, okay. <laughs> um, but no, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes is a game where you have somebody who has a bomb in front of them. And the bomb is just really just like a puzzle. It's got some wires. It's got like a bit with different colors, different colored buttons, like a keypad of numbers. And then they don't have any instructions at all. They have no idea how to defuse bombs. But what their team members have is each have guidelines or tips or pieces of a puzzle, which is effectively how you correctly defuse a bomb. So you have to do things in a certain order, or you can't press red before you press a blue. Or if you press this one twice in a row, then it blows up. Or all these kind of different things. Which you know, if you've got four people with different sets of instructions and one person you know, just dominates, then you'll only get one quarter of the instructions. Yeah. So you need them to work together. So you know, I can see that working really well for virtual in particular because it's a physical yeah. game actually but for virtual it, you know all of the things that might actually be difficult in the room um, in a way become more difficult but you have got the perfect platform for facilitating that difficulty and saying okay you know overcome the difficulty of being uh you know not being able to see each other maybe if you turn the cameras off or certainly not being in the same room and communicate and do this task successfully
1: yeah you know that reminds me i'm going to take us off to, i'm going to take us off topic now for oh, two minutes um we did a virtual escape room for my husband's birthday.
0: Um, mm.
1: Cause we, we love the actual escape rooms and we've got a hundred percent escape record. We're very Excellent. good. good. Um, I can take no credit for it. Um, but it obviously it's a very different experience because um, there's no physical things for you to pick up and move around. There's no actual locks for you to undo. It's all codes and you know, unlocking things like that. But what we found was that after the first sort of 10 minutes or so, because obviously we realised immediately that the way we would normally approach this was not going to work. Um, so it took us about 10 minutes to sort of accept that and adapt. But when I reflected on it afterwards, I realised that we still used pretty much the same skills that we always used in the, li- in the live game. But we just used them in a different way and crucially in a different order.
0: Mm.
1: So I think what you're saying there is that with a little bit of thought, we can still develop the same skills in people. But we do have to. It's not always about adapting what you do face to face. Sometimes we have to throw it out and find something different, don't we?
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think all of these things for me come out of again that that, that core point of saying, okay, what are the what is the canvas? What is the the guidelines, the limits, the rules, the opportunities, threats, etc. And what can I do with it?
1: So on the back of the um, exploding bomb in the escape room. Um, I love that exponent bomb thing, by the way. Um, how else can we use games? And are there any particular games that you think work really well in the virtual environment?
0: Yeah, I mean, you, you could uh, use games in so many different ways and there's lots and lots of games. Any game that's available online can you can think about whether you could use it uh, for a learning point whether it would fit there's uh, a great program called tabletop simulator which is is, is kind of a, a 3d simulator of playing tabletop games and it has loads of games preloaded, uh loads of, of, of board games tabletop games but it also uh has the facility for you to create games so it's a great no way yeah you can just create your own elements cards pieces boards and how they interact um i mean it's, it's a, little, a little bit of work definitely but it's, you know, it's been used to create all these uh, virtual versions of really complex real life games, you know, really co- complex and expensive ones, you know, games that might cost you 50, 70, pounds in real life, but actually now you can get a uh, virtual version. So there's that. You know, and there are some games that that are recommended, for instance, by educators. There's a game called uh, Evolution, which uh, you know they use a lot in in schools in in uh, science and biology. But yeah, Yeah. just thinking about what your topic is, is there a game that can help you illustrate it? But also, I think people are developing games specifically for this. So I uh, was involved in testing uh, of a game called Evive, and I'll drop uh, like all the things we're talking about. I'll drop the link in the show notes. But I think it was a really great experience uh, of a game which was, I won't, I won't go too much into the mechanics of it, but it was really about, uh, we had individual players in different locations and we had a central thing which we all viewed uh, in terms of our resources uh, that we in, in the, were playing together within the game. Um, we had to communicate over the kind of Zoom call. Mm. And then we had actually on the, on our mobiles, so it was a kind of mobile game, This central thing of, okay, how are we doing against these different measures and take actions by pressing different buttons on our mobile phones to to advance our kind of joint kind of effort and it was just really really well uh, put together in terms of something that made us make mistakes but also yeah. learn from them so in theory it was a kind of sci-fi setup about us having uh, kind of having to mine things from a planet and and and, uh, and that kind of stuff but really it was about uh, leadership it was about communication it was about uh, working together and making mistakes and discussing them in the debrief really helped us to and, and having successes and discussing those in the debrief really really uh, drove home some great learning points so I recommend that game to people but i think you'll see and i'm and i will be involved in a lot of similar things springing up like that
1: that sounds so exciting
0: uh, I, the, the other thing I, I can't help but mention here as well actually is uh, the idea to just think about You don't have to play a full-on game in order to do some of this stuff. You can use game elements. So I'm not going to regurgitate the entire content gamification (laughs) episode from last season, but loads of the resources and ideas from that. I think you can bring on board to think about your activities and how you do them and think, okay, can I give people just, for instance, branching choices with consequences or can I give it a theme or can I give people uh, a chance to gift each other things that will uh, help them in, in the next part of the activity? You know, just all kinds of different bits of games that you could use in your activity that may not be a game.
1: Actually, that's, that's just, um, just made me think when we mentioned before about doing the pre-course and maybe drip feeding simple questions. And if people do it, um, then they get rewarded. Maybe when we do an exercise in the actual session, they get a bit of extra information to make it easier for them. Yeah, so that would work well, wouldn't it?
0: Definitely. And those kind of things, you know, again, I think you can get really creative with them. It could be about something really useful like that, but a lot of rewards in games or game related products are actually not even that useful they're just nice it's just yeah. like I, 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 pe- people will go to great lengths within a game environment certainly to get a new piece of clothing for their avatar
1: Houston. don't t- don't talk to me about that my son is on <laughs> Fortnite. he gets so excited when he gets a new outfit he's a 14 yeah. year old boy why he's interested in fashion i've got no idea <laughs> but he gets dead excited by it yeah
0: it yeah.
1: tells me that it's rare it's a rare one mum. it's like yeah. <laughs> does it make you any better in the game no but people know that it's a rare one yeah, like, yeah. okay
0: <laughs> so it's the status symbol you know so can you give your your uh, learners a status symbol something mm. that shows that they did the extra work or that they did a really creative and interesting thing
1: yeah and i think like say if we if we're thinking about stuff that isn't just a 90 minute or a two-hour session where maybe this is a little bit of a big ask um certainly for those ongoing programs that to me feels like it's a really great way to really engage and sort of continue the learning between the, the formal sessions it also made me think as well terry when you were saying there about we talked a lot in the first one about getting the basics right which i still say we, we need to do that first but what a lot of people do and rightly so is base their session on you know we, we have slides um to to guide us through that session and and that's a good thing to do but Um, what you're saying is i think is that we don't need to have that we can have the confidence to go without that slide deck once we know what we're doing once we know how to structure that session and facilitate it online once we know exactly how to um, manage the participants and have our questions ready to go we can perhaps feel brave enough to step away from the slide deck
0: yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, the, the the session where I was talking about using Aviv as an example, that was a great learning session where I learned much more than I would have learned from a slide presentation. But even if you are going to use a slide presentation, you can think about how you're using it. Again, this, this kind of harks back a little bit to our session on uh, our episode on PowerPoint mm. and presentations. But you think about how you're using it, thinking about exactly what format you're using. Uh, just to go back to our apps for a second, um, I know that Mentimeter, and, and I think there's another number of other apps that also do so, allow you to actually make the slides interactive. So mm. instead of just having these slides, you actually get p- slides where people can click on what they want to vote on and then the results come up straight away or things like this. So, so they're almost moving away from what you would normally define and think of as a slide into just an object that that is part of a much more, personal and engaging learning experience
1: yeah yeah it, it's come on so much hasn't it just over the last few months really i mean it's um like, like a lot of training designers i suppose i haven't given it too much thought and attention because it's not where the majority of my work was but the impression that i'm getting is that the functionalities improved no end um mm. the choices of what's available out there has improved no end and like you say people are Looking for ease of use, I think, rather than just it producing something that's quite whizzy, people have understood that functionality you know, is perhaps the most important thing absolutely Lowe's to think about as always, hmm. so how we can um, really take our online sessions to the next level. Is there anything else you want to mention before I tell you what I've taken away from today? Go for it oh, right um, so much as always um, we We started off with a point of agreement, I think, is that we need to really extend the learning experience. Um, So we're not doing a full day in one go anymore. We're extending that with pre and post course work. But I don't think it should be called pre and post course work. It should be module one, module two, module three, module four. And we use different methods for those modules. So to really help make learners accountable. Um, to help make them accountable you talked about the importance of having everything in one place um, so that they're not having to hunt around for it because if we make it easy for them to find and easy to complete guess what (laughs) they're more likely to complete it absolutely Um, and the other thing sort of following on from that is your point about when we are choosing apps and we are deciding to maybe go off platform is look for the simplest one that does the job you want it to do um, because mm. we will we will mm. lose people otherwise they will you know get lost in the login and they'll they'll struggle to to, to find out how to work it um, if it isn't immediately obvious mm. so I like the fact that you really highlighted the importance of ease of use um, and the fact that we don't want people to be setting up multiple accounts all over the place because it can put people off attending and it can make it more difficult for us to to actually administer Mm -hmm. Um, that linked into a really important point i think we need to use what they have already got wherever possible Um, Mm. so always look at what already exists before we go looking for something different Um, and like you say sometimes these these back channels i mean i i did work with a company that lived on slack um, and their back channels were incredibly active and incredibly useful so if you're in the habit of using that you use it Um, Some of the other things I picked out is I think, again, a really good point is to don't be limited by the tech. Don't keep thinking about I can't do this. I can't do that because I used to do that when I I did face to face training. It's we do need to look at it with completely fresh eyes, Um, maybe do a SWOT, which can be very useful and to focus on what what you can do um, online rather than what you can't do online it is gonna be a different experience, but it doesn't mean to say it's worse. It may even be better, it, it is gonna be different. Um, and that's, that's absolutely okay. Um, you talked about clarity, and I, I think you mentioned this in the last, last episode as well, is the fact that we can't assume that people can do the basics. So let's say we all know how to write on a flip chart. Do we know how to add a post-it note to mural, for example? Mm. So we may need to give a little bit of tuition Um, on some of the apps and if possible that might be something that we should do outside of the session and make it a fun thing to give people so they're not trying to learn under pressure really Um, they can learn in their own time and it doesn't really matter if they fail and they don't look stupid and they've got time to get to grips with it Mm. and then the final thing to pick out which is your favorite topic terry is to think about how we can use games and gaming principles to really keep learners engaged throughout the whole learning experience and not just in that virtual session. So lots of things for us to think about there, I think, um, as always.
0: Mm, great summary. Absolutely. Did uh, I miss anything? I don't think so. I think there's some cool. some, 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 some good stuff there, uh, hearing it reflected back. Uh, so I've probably gone on for long enough. Uh, we usually give a little bit of time to whoever's gone on for the least amount of time to uh, have their little, <laughs> little, little say. Uh, what, what's, what are you going to use that for today, Sharon?
1: Well, do you know, I was going to talk about my virtual escape room, but I've kind of done that already. I just leapt in there and, 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 and bombed your, your, your session on, on the virtual learning. But it's not unrelated because I think it is mm. very much related to extending the learning experience for people. And that's community-based learning, which is a lot of the stuff that you were talking about, really, mm. about having the chat and having places for people to go, you know, between sessions. Um we discussed on the last episode how i've been taking the the time um since lockdown to really focus on building the training design club community and you know we, we met through a, a learning community mm. through through trainer talk mm. and i genuinely think that community is how we do most of our learning these days i think the stuff that we're talking about these the, the, these um you know structured programs and particular sessions that they can really accelerate learning in a specific area and they absolutely have their place but people learn I think just by being surrounded by like-minded people who are in a similar place to themselves and Mm -hmm. one thing that really struck me as I've been doing some asynchronous online courses as well that also have a community element and maybe it's laziness I don't know but it's all about timing Um, Because I'm hearing messages in this asynchronous course that I have heard many times before, but I've never actioned them because the timing wasn't right. And in a community, you can ask for that information at the time you need it. Mm. And I know, because we're both in the trainer talk community, the same question gets asked multiple mm, times throughout mm. the year, doesn't it? And some of us, you know, I, I mean, Sharon, who runs that community, must roll her eyes sometimes, I think. But we've answered this 10 times already. But the fact is, people weren't ready for that learning at that point. Mm. So it kind of passed them by. And most of the time, we, I just want the next step. All I want is, this is what I need to do. Um, I've hit a bit of a block. How can I get over and do the next step? And that's when you just ask a question of your community Um, and you can be guided by somebody who's done that recently or, you know, is maybe just one step ahead of you. So you don't get the whole answer. You just get that little bit that you need.
0: Mm,
1: mm. Um, And that gives you confidence in that community that you can keep going back. Um, And I think this as well links to the episode that we did in the first season about curation. Mm. Because I'm finding that I get asked questions in the training designers club, and I've either already got something that can answer that, so it's very easy for me to find it and just signpost it, or I think, hmm, that's obviously important to the members at the moment. Let me go out and help them find the answer. Yeah. Um, And that is how we build a relevant space for people to learn that that is is helping them, you know, learn the things that they want to learn at the time they want to learn them. And it's certainly how I learn.
0: Yeah. I think there's some really great thoughts there. I think a key part of that that I've noticed uh, through being part of more and less successful kind of social learning moments is thinking about what motivation people have to engage in that. Because I've been on MOOCs and kind of online courses where, you know, the setup is something like, okay, here's a piece of work or some content, do it, and here's a space to discuss it afterwards. Mm. In this space, I don't know any of the people in it. Uh, You know, we don't have any guidance as to how to discuss it. It's just, oh, here's a space so you can discuss it if you want to. And there's a bit of kind of desultory kind of discussion there usually, but it's not really very motivated. It doesn't have much of a form. Mm. But if you're thinking about, okay... How can I make people want to do it through the instructions or through how it fits into the program or through how they come together in the first place? As in the Training Designers Club, they've come there for a reason and they're motivated to be part of the community. So, you know, if you're thinking carefully about those questions, then that social learning space is going to be much more effective.
1: Yeah. And and it's very much a partnership approach. So certainly within the Training Designers Club, I will offer some resources or some insights um and sometimes that's exactly what people want and other times it's not Mm. but equally people will say i need help with this or oh i've just found this really interesting thing let me share it with you Mm. so it's very much it's very fluid it's very flexible it's not a set route um you know we're going where the community wants to go and say i think somebody in that community has the answers Mm. And it's not always about completing. You know, it's not. Sometimes you don't need a sledgehammer to crack a nut, is what I'm saying. Mm, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's great that you know, if we're starting something afresh, um, to have that structured course through um, is very very helpful because if you if you haven't done that training, you don't know what questions to ask. You don't know what you don't know. You need that. You need those foundations in place. But um, one of the courses I'm working through, I actually know and can do most of it but Mm. I'm not as good as I should be. And Mm. what that's really showing to me is that the specific elements where I need help. And that's where the community element is coming in. So I'm saying, okay, well I've reviewed this and I've thought of that. How do I do this very specific thing? And it's easy to answer a very specific question Mm. than it is a more generic one. So again, I think that adds value by to learn by community really.
0: Definitely. And those people who are helping by kind of teaching in a sense, they learn as well through the way that they have to put
1: their information across. Yeah, Definitely. absolutely. I mean, I I um, commit to putting um, an article in the group every week, so that makes me look at what's what's happening mm. out there. It makes me look up and do a little bit of research that I may not do otherwise. So it's very much a two-way thing. Um, you, you develop, and I think I think we talked about this on last time. So you develop almost subconsciously. Yeah. Um, by that sort of learning. And so the, the one last thing to point out um, is that communities kind of have to be organic. And it links to back to what you were saying about the mm. MOOC. If you force people into community mm. and put too many rules on it, say this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it, you're going to get a lot of people not engaged. Mm. Um, yeah. Yes, we need guidelines. Yes, we need, I don't know, we, we need sort of some sort of hooks to hang it on. Yeah. But other than that, it has to be quite a natural, organic thing, I think. Mm.
0: Yeah, I think hooks is a good word. Excellent. I think that's a really good second topic for us, something for us to think about. Uh, and yeah, I think as designers, we probably do want to think about, uh, you know, we're designing a learning experiences, not necessarily learning sessions. So maybe it is a community that we should be designing.
1: Yeah, I mean, particularly if you're doing something like a management development program, mm. and maybe you've got 20 people who are going to be working through something for six, 12 months, You know, it's great to ask them if they want to be a part of the community because they will learn just as much from that informal method as they do from going through the formal structure of the course and it will really enhance what you're doing.
0: Definitely. Excellent. Is that us, done for this week?
1: I think we are. Um, are. Yeah, I think we are. It's one of those things, isn't it? Sort of designing for virtual delivery. A lot of it is the same. And we, we could have talked about so many different aspects of it, but I think um, you've given us lots to think about there terry without completely making us run away scared you know throwing <laughs> our hands up going oh i'll never be able to do it
0: <laughs> well likewise uh thanks for all of your great questions and your insights as well so we'd love to hear from you as well uh it would be great to uh for anyone who's listening to uh get onto the facebook site and tell us about anything that they that this session made them think about or anything they'd like us to think about for future for future episodes or they can get in touch with us directly. uh, You can find me uh, uh, via either of my two businesses, 360 Learning Design or Untold Play. Uh, And again, more details on the show notes and on the... Facebook page,
1: and you can find me. The easiest way is to Google the Training Designers Club. Um, you can join us as a VIP member, or you can just join the free Facebook group if that is more your thing. And of course, we're both more than happy for you to connect with us on LinkedIn. Just put a little note that you listen to the podcast, um, and we will be delighted to add you to our network.
0: Definitely, it's been great talking to you today, Sharon.
1: Uh, as always, Terry. As always, and uh, yeah, I look forward to our next episode.
0: Me too.